ago, right after Sydney and I got married, we were probably in our first or second year of marriage, still in that newlywed phase. One day I walked out to the mailbox and in my mailbox was this, this thing that says, you've won a prize. I'm sure you get these like every other day in the mail. Um, but uh, I had not gotten many of those up until this point. I'm like, I want a prize. I love prizes and I'm excited for the prize. And so I opened it up and says, hey, congratulations. You've won two free airline tickets to the destination of your choice. All you have to do is show up to this location on this day for 30 minutes, listen to a sales pitch and no obligation to buy anything, just show up and you get the tickets. Raise your hand if you've ever gotten one of these things in the mail before, been invited to it. Okay, I won't, make your hand, I won't ask you to raise your hand if you've fallen for this, but um, uh, full disclosure, I fell for it. I'm like, oh man, I love to travel. Like, how kind of these people, they wanna give us uh, these airline tickets. And so, a couple days later, Sydney and I were in the car driving over to, the, to what looked like this abandoned business park and this random spot of Nashville, we're walking into this room with six or seven other disoriented couples that all appreciated travel like we did. And, and uh, you know, Sydney and I, we had our game plan. We're like, no matter what they do, we are not buying anything. And it's like, we just, we had our strategy and you know, we go in and we, we sit in this room with no windows, you know, and this guy in his mid forties walks out and greets us all and he says, hey, let's just name the elephant in the room. I'll never forget this. He says, here's the elephant in the room. All of you are here for free airline tickets and you spent the whole drive here working out your strategy for how you're gonna stonewall me and not buy anything. And I went, man, this guy's good. He's done this a few times. <laughs> and he said, hey, just to be clear, he said, whether you buy anything or not, we're still giving you the airline tickets. He goes, but here's what I believe is in the next 30 minutes, I will be able to change most of your minds. He said, I think in the next 30 minutes, I'm going to get you to do something you don't think you wanna do. And I kid you not, that joker took our savings. Like 30 minutes later, I'm like, you know, it's a pretty good deal. You know, we'd almost be dumb not to buy it, you know? And, and uh, we walked out of there and, and we bought everything that dude tried to sell us. And, and uh, I, I think about that every year when I come to these seasons of prayer and fasting. Not that I'm trying to pull one over on you, maybe it's a bad metaphor, but <laughs> maybe that's a terrible way to lead into this. <laughs> In 30 minutes, I'm gonna deceive you. Um, <laughs> now, here's what I know. I know most of you have come to this month and you've made up your mind. And I just believe the Spirit of God's got more for you. I don't know how to say it any clearer than that. I just believe the Spirit of God has more for you. I believe the Spirit of God has more for us. And there, there are times when we stand up and we look at things in the scripture that speak right into the thing that we already know we want. And so sometimes, you know, I'll be talking to a young guy that's just charging hard in his career and I say, hey, here's what you need to do. You need to learn how to Sabbath. And when I talk to an exhausted person about slowing down, they go, oh yes, I want that, I long for that. But I don't know that I've ever had a conversation with anybody about fasting where they go, man, that sounds amazing. I would love to do that thing that you just asked me to do. Like, I've, I've, I don't know if I've ever had that conversation. I don't know if I've ever had that feeling. I don't know if I've ever gotten to a place in the scriptures where I go, man, this looks awesome. And yet I believe it is amazing. And I believe God is, is inviting us into something. I believe God wants to do something. And my prayer all week has just been that the Holy Spirit would meet us in any of these places of resistance and that he'd help us change our minds wherever we feel stuck against the ways of God. And so I wanna start this, this morning with just a simple definition of fasting because our culture talks about fasting a lot for a variety of reasons. But when we're talking about fasting over the next month, here's what we're talking about. We're talking about abstaining from food 
for the purpose of growing more deeply in your relationship with God. That's what we're talking about. So, so people in our culture talk about fasting for a variety of ways, for health reasons, for losing weight. There's some amazing science behind fasting, which I actually think is a spiritual reality. But, but when we're talking about fasting, although there's some real benefit to, to giving up Instagram, and although there's a real benefit to doing some things, like biblically speaking, it's when you choose to set aside food for a season, maybe a meal, maybe a number of meals, maybe for a day or a number of days, but you set aside food for the purpose of growing more deeply with God. And some of you are like, okay, I'm out. Like, that's what I thought it was. Some of you go, I didn't need the definition. I knew what it was and I still hate it. Like, and maybe, maybe that's what you're feeling this morning. But the scriptures speak into fasting in a variety of ways. And it's really interesting. You, you see this biblically. You see this historically that nearly every great move of God in human history begun with a group of ordinary men and women that consecrated their lives before the Lord in a season of prayer and fasting. And my question is, why? <laughs> I was with a friend of mine recently who's a pastor and he was looking at our calendar for this year as a church family. I was just showing him some of the things that we're getting ready to do. And the thing that jumped off the page at him is that in 2022, we're spending 52 days communally this year praying and fasting. That's a lot of days. 30 days here in the spring, a number of days in the fall, the first Wednesday of every month. And he goes, wow, that's, that's a lot of time. Why do you spend so much time doing something that's so miserable? Which is a really great question. A really valid question. Hey guys, you, you know that thing you hate? Let's do it a bunch. Terrible sales pitch. But is it possible that God's got more for us in this than what we have experienced? And so uh, this morning, I just want to wrestle with this question of why. Why, why do we fast? And, and I could give you the short answer or the long answer. Here's the short answer. I could give this to you in less than a minute, drop the mic, take communion, we could go home. Here's the short answer. Why do we fast? Because Jesus modeled it and Jesus taught it. And any serious disciple of Jesus should say that's enough. He spent the first 40 days of his earthly ministry. We'll look at it here in a few moments in Luke chapter 4. First thing right after his baptism, steps into a season of prayer and fasting. Jesus, the son of God, filled with the spirit of God, who was sent to inaugurate the kingdom of God, he believed that fasting and prayer went hand in hand with what God had sent him to do, and it was significant. Jesus modeled it, and as disciples of Jesus, we should say anything he does, we wanna imitate. Why? Because he's our leader. He modeled it, but he didn't just model it. He also taught it. Matthew chapter six, verse 16 in the midst of Jesus' most famous sermon, Jesus gives some real real estate to the conversation of prayer and fasting in Matthew chapter six. And I love what he says in verse 16. He says, when you fast, not if you fast, not for the spiritually elite or for the leaders. He's just talking to ordinary people like you and I. He goes, hey, when you fast, Jesus believed that fasting would play a significant role in the life of his disciples after he returned to his father. And so why, why do we do this? The short answer is because Jesus modeled it, Jesus taught it, that could be the end of the sermon. It's kinda like when your parent says, because I said so. Because <laughs> I told you so, but, but, but this morning, I, I really want us to, to just go a, a little bit deeper than that and go, okay, what does the Spirit of God do in us as we set aside these seasons of prayer and fasting, how does the Spirit of God begin to move in our life? Because I believe when you begin to understand the how of the Holy Spirit in the midst of these seasons, it actually stirs up a hunger in you. 
where all of a sudden you go, I don't wanna just sit on the sidelines. I don't wanna just outsource this to someone else to do for me. Like, I'm hungry for more of God. And so that's what I wanna explore this morning. Luke chapter four, we're gonna pick up in verse one together. And this will just be our jumping off point in the scriptures today. We're gonna look at several other scriptures. But I love this moment in the life of Jesus. At this point, he's 30 years old. He's just stepped onto the public stage of his earthly ministry. He's, he's been baptized. He says, after his baptism, the audible voice of God spoke, said, this is my beloved son, whom I'm so pleased with. And it says, then the Holy Spirit filled Jesus. And Jesus' first step into ministry is not to rent out a huge lecture hall and to invite every sinner in and to preach the gospel. His first step is into a season of prayer and fasting. This is where it picks up. Luke chapter four, starting in verse one. It says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan, just make a mental note of this, and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil, and he ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them, he was hungry. I don't know if there's a greater overstatement in all the scriptures. At the end of 40 days of fasting, he was hungry. It's like, all right, thank you, Luke, for that detail. Verse three, in the midst of Jesus' pursuit of his father, in the season of prayer and fasting, it says the devil shows up and begins to tempt him. Verse three, the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. But then the devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all authority and splendor as it has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want. If you worship me, it will all be yours. But Jesus responded again with the scriptures. He says, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And then the devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. And he said, if you are the son of God, then throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Now the devil is quoting the scriptures back to Jesus, which is interesting, guys. Did you know the devil knows the word of God probably better than we do? And he's using it against Jesus, but Jesus responded. He says, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had finished all of his tempting, he left Jesus until an opportune time. Verse 14, I love this. And then Jesus returned to Galilee in the what? Somebody shout it out. In the? Power. Come on, say it like power. In the? Power. Left it in the power of the spirit and news about him spread to the whole countryside. In the power and the power, I, I, I love this moment. So much we could explore in Luke 4. I just wanna take a couple of snapshots for you and then we're gonna jump into this bigger conversation about prayer and fasting. Who was it that led Jesus into the season of prayer and fasting? The Spirit. This wasn't something that Jesus just said, hey, I wanna do something hard for God to make him like me. Jesus is God. He didn't just say, hey, I wanna do something hard for the Father to, to make him like me. No, the Spirit of God led Jesus into this season of prayer and fasting, but once he got into the season of prayer and fasting, it didn't feel like 40 days of euphoria and praise and worship concerts and revelation after revelation after revelation. What did the season of prayer and fasting feel like? It was difficult. It was a strain because when he went into the wilderness to get his marching orders for, from his father, another Another one showed up with another agenda. 
And so often people will go, I hate prayer and fasting because it's so hard. I go, of course it's hard because the devil knows what's on the line for you in this season. And so he comes at you in this season. The father is not the only one with an agenda for you over the next 30 days. And so he's led by the spirit into this season of prayer and fasting. For 40 days, it is a real struggle. And yet God is with them. And I love the way that it ends though, verse 14. It says, Jesus comes out of that battle, not worn down, broken down, struggling, not limping. He comes out, help me. He comes out in the, in the power of the Spirit. He comes out empowered by the Holy Spirit to do what God has made him for. And here's what I found in all these years of prayer and fasting is the blessing of fasting rarely comes in the midst of fasting. It comes on the other side. It comes in the downstream. It's like putting money in a long-term investment account. You don't put it in today and draw it out tomorrow and get, and get the return, usually. <laughs> you put it in, you put it in, you put it in, and then down the line, something comes. And I love this. Jesus, he's led by the Spirit into this season. In the midst of that season, he is tempted, he is tested. The, the enemy is trying to beat up on him, but he comes out in the power of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> You guys, I'm convinced, I said this at the beginning of this year, I don't know if there's ever been a year that we've been a church where we've needed the power of the Holy Spirit more than we need it right now. Over the next couple of months, we have some huge decisions in front of us. We have some huge steps in front of us, and we do not want to take these steps just in our flesh, out of our earthly wisdom. We need the power of the Holy Spirit, and we believe it's in these seasons of prayer and fasting where you get filled up by the Spirit of God in a brand new way. And my question is, how does the Spirit work in those moments? And the truth is, there's so many ways that the Spirit works. I want to just give you kind of five quick snapshots this morning from across Scripture. If you take notes, I just encourage you to write these down, dwell on these. I'm going to have to fly through them just for the sake of time this morning. But man, you can explore them on your own. Do the heavy lifting on your own when you get out of here. How does the Spirit empower us in seasons of prayer and fasting? Number one, He empowers us through this work of abstaining. He powers us, empowers us through this work of abstaining. Mark chapter eight, verses 34 through 35. Jesus is talking to his disciples. He's talking to a group of people that are just kind of casually listening in. I love what Jesus says. He, said, he calls his disciples to him and he said, whoever wants to be my disciple must what? Shout it out, must. Deny. Must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Jesus says, the path into the kingdom of God is marked by the posture of self-denial. Guys, this is so key for us to know because you live in a world that is built on the foundation of self-fulfillment. Everything in your world is built on the foundation of self-fulfillment. You're getting this message 5,000 times a day in a variety of ways. Fulfill yourself, fulfill yourself, fulfill yourself. Whatever you need, whatever you want, you can get it now. You're taught this over and over and over. We are discipled by the buy now button on Amazon Prime far more than we are by the Sermon on the Mount. Click, click, click. That button at the end of every show you binge watch, watch the ne next episode. Of course I do, don't even ask me. <laughs> just, just come on, just go on to the next one. <laughs> Everything around you, what you want, you can have now. You can eat whatever you want. You can buy whatever you want. You can have whatever you want. 
I was talking to a young guy who has just gotten addicted to Tinder, and he goes, I can sleep with whoever I want. Because this is the world you live in constantly, constantly. Fulfill yourself, fulfill yourself, fulfill yourself. We do this with church. I need a church that fulfills my wants, my desires. My wants. Guys, it is an antithetical to the kingdom of God. In a world of self-fulfillment, we follow the king who says, no, it's found in (laughs) self-denial. But in a world of self-fulfillment, how do you begin to walk in the ways of self-denial? It comes in the context of learning how in seasons to abstain, to set some things aside, to say no to some of your desires and wants and cravings in one area of your life so you can say, it and say no in other areas of your life. It's crazy the way that this works. Remember years ago, Sydney and I were in Kenya with our family and we got there on the last day of a 30-day fast that their church went through and man, just the hunger of God in that church was amazing. But what struck us was the host family that we were staying near. They had three kids who at the time were 11 and nine years old. And I remember for 30 days, just, or for two weeks that we were with them on the other side of these 30 days that they just got done praying and fasting, I remember for two weeks watching these kids just pursue the Lord. These, these nine and 11 year old kids, they'd get up early in the morning on their own, set their alarms. I kid you not, they'd get down at the breakfast table, they'd open up the scriptures, they'd study the word of God on their own, pray on their own, make breakfast, walk to school. And Sydney and I are watching this going, What in the world is going on here? Like, I know 30, 40, 50, 60-year-olds that are not this hungry and devoted to God. How does a nine or 11-year-old do this? And so one day, Sydney and I were driving to the market with this this woman that was hosting us. We said, hey, you gotta let us in on a secret. (laughs) Like, give us that silver bullet, that secret sauce. She goes, hey, there's, there's no silver bullet. She said, I will tell you one thing. She said, prayer and fasting is something we really embrace as a family because in a world that is constantly telling us to fulfill ourselves, we found it important to practice denying ourselves so we can hear the voice of God again. What I found is it's not until two or three days into a multi-day fast where I'm paying attention to what I'm putting in my mouth or not putting in my mouth that all of a sudden I begin to wrestle with what it is that I put into my soul. Because the truth is, in a world of self-fulfillment, all of us become experts at consumption and we don't even stop to discern whether or not we should consume what it is that we're consuming. What we're watching, what we're listening to, who we're around. And so how does the Holy Spirit empower us in seasons of fasting? What's well, this work of abstaining, of self-denial, that he begins to recalibrate the taste buds of our soul again to the things of the kingdom? See, the work of abstaining, secondly, it's in the work of abiding. How does the Holy Spirit empower us through these seasons of fasting? Well, we let go of some things, but it's not just about abstaining, it's about learning to abide. I wanna say this as clearly as I know how to say it. If your fasting this month only involves you letting go of some things, it's just gonna be a really miserable diet. Fasting is not just about what you let go of. It's about who we behold. It's about who we take hold of. It's about what you abide in. I love John 15, verse five. I love what Jesus says here. Jesus says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you abide in me and I abide in you, then you'll bear much fruit. 
Jesus says, hey, it's not just about what you're letting go of. He says, no, it's about sitting in my presence. It's about adoring me. It's about thinking about me. It's about assessing on me. Guys, my goal over the next month is not just to get you to give up lunch. To just be miserable in the break room as all of your coworkers are just like pounding food and you're like, oh man, this stinks being a Christian. That's not the goal. The goal is to go, hey, I'm gonna give up this space. And for some of you, it's gonna be sitting in the car with the scriptures, with the Sermon on the Mount. It's gonna be turning on the worship music going, hey God, I want to abide in you. I want to behold you. I wanna hear your voice. I wanna see you in a fresh way. It's Psalm 27, verse four. David's life was falling apart, and David goes, God, there's just one thing that I ask, one thing that I seek, that I would be in your presence, that I would fix my eyes upon you, that I would know who you are. That's what I long for. Guys, I love you. I don't know how to say this any more clearly. We become whatever it is we behold. We become like whatever it is that we behold. If you behold money and financial security, you become fearful or greedy. That's what happens when you behold resources. When you behold sex, you become perverted. When you behold your children, you become uh, controlling when that's out of order. When you, when, you, when you behold your old wounds or your old hurts or your old pains, you become bitter. We become like whatever it is that we behold. And when we behold the presence of God, spoiler alert, we begin to think like Jesus, love like Jesus, live like Jesus, walk like Jesus. So the seasons of prayer and fasting, it's not just, okay, how do we give something up? What do we abstain from? It's no, we're creating space to abide, to behold, to think about, to drink in the presence of God. We abstain, we abide. Number three, the Holy Spirit empowers us through this work of aligning. He does this work of aligning in our lives as we seek him in prayer and fasting. Psalm 139, verses 23 through 24, I love what David says. It's this prayer of alignment. He says, he says, search me, God, and know my heart. Test my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me. Lead me in the way everlasting. I love this, this prayer of alignment. It's, it's what we do in season of prayer and fasting. It's like when you go to the doctor for a, a well visit, for a well checkup. You're not sick, you just go and just say, hey, do the blood work. Check the heart rate, see, see if I'm doing okay. And all of us know it can be a scary thing to go in when you're f feeling well because they can tell you something that you didn't know was going on. Because the reality is in the midst of this world that we live in, this world of self-fulfillment, most of our hearts with God are out of alignment and somewhere we just don't know it until we stop for seasons of prayer and fasting and we say, Lord, would you search me? Would you test me? Would you know me? Would you lead me? A couple of weeks ago, I was driving down the interstate just, I was just hedged in with traffic on every side. I had the concrete barrier on my left. I was, I was doing about 75 miles an hour, sorry, a few miles over the speed limit. I'm driving, talking to Brent Baldwin, one of our shepherds, so I'm breaking all sorts of rules, I'm sorry. But this is the moment. I'm, I'm driving down the interstate, and I hit this bump, and as soon as I hit my bump, any of you that are Jeep owners, maybe you're familiar with this term, I got into this thing that's called the death wobble, where all of a sudden, it just felt like it was out of control. My, my, my steering column just, just started jerking back and forth violently both ways, and I'm, I'm holding it as firm as I can so I don't crash either into the barrier or the car around me. I'm talking to Brent, I'm like, Dude, I'm about 
about to die. I'll call you later. Hang up the phone and, and you know, get, get, get the car over to the side of the road. I'm like, oh, that was terrifying. And here's what I didn't know was I did not know that my alignment was broken until I hit an unexpected bump at a high rate of speed. And I hit that high, I hit that bump at that high rate of speed and I realized, oh man, my alignment is broken. Guys, so many of us, we don't even know we're, we're out of alignment with God. We're just going at the speed of life and you hit some bump. You hit some bump in your health, you hit some bump in your finances, you hit some bump in your relationships, you hit some, some bump, you know, 2020 was a big bump and then 2021 was a big bump and 2022 is kind of another big bump. And so, you know, it's like we're just, we're just flying at the speed of life and you hit the bump and all of a sudden you realize, man, maybe I'm not as close to God as I thought I was. In seasons of prayer and fasting, it's not just abstaining, it's not just abiding, it's where we come into the presence of God and say, God, would you realign us? Would, would, would you look at my heart? Would you let me know if I'm out of sorts? Would you look at my habits? Would you look at my sins? Would you just show me, Lord, and would you tune me into you again? It's abstaining, abiding, aligning. Number four, the Spirit of God empowers us through asking. Through asking. Matthew chapter seven, I love what Jesus says. He says, whoever will ask, it'll be given to them. Whoever seeks will find. Whoever knocks, the door's gonna be open. In other words, when, when our hearts abstain from the junk food of the culture, when we abide in God, when we're getting aligned in the ways of Jesus, all of a sudden we know how to ask God for things that are lined up with God's heart. And he says, when you ask according to my will, he says, I'm gonna show up in big ways. And so these seasons of prayer and fasting, it's a season for asking. Every year when our boys are getting ready to start school, Sydney and I will set aside at least today to pray and fast. Hey God, would you teach us how to pray for our boys as they enter into the school year? We wanna ask you for some things, but unless our hearts have been aligned and tuned with yours, we'll probably ask you for the wrong stuff. Seasons of prayer and fasting, they're, they're meant for, for asking. Every year we'll have couples that will come up at our prayer gathering, we'll have it tonight at five o'clock that kicks off our season of prayer and fasting. We'll have couples that will come up and go, man, we're stuck in our marriage or we've been trying to have kids and we can't have kids or we had this huge decision to make or we have folks that will come up and say, I've got this addiction that I'm wrestling with or I've, I've got this thing that God's put in my heart. And we go, this is a season where we just ask. Guys, communally for our church, I, I know we've been talking about this for two, three months. This is a season for, for us to ask God for wisdom. We know in two to three months, we're gonna be out of this venue. We're still not totally sure where God's leading us yet. I'll just throw this out there. I'm believing in my heart that by the end of February, God will show us with clarity where we should go and how we should get there. Would you join me in asking him for that? That may not be his timetable, but man, I'm gonna ask. Show us. Show us, there's this abstaining, there's this abiding, there's this aligning, there's this asking, and last but not least, the Spirit empowers us through the work of activating. And he sees in the prayer and fasting, he just begins to activate. Look at this, Acts chapter 13, verses one through three. I love this, maybe you remember the story of the Apostle Paul, he has this radical conversion of faith. Jesus in Paul's conversion says, hey, I'm gonna use you as my chosen instrument to the Gentiles. He seeds this promise into Paul's heart, but that seed lays dormant in Paul's heart for years. Guys, years ago, there were some promises that God seeded into your heart, and maybe some of you have even forgotten about those dreams or given up on those dreams. They've just kind of been dormant. I love Acts 13, verse one. It says, now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. There was Barnabas, 
There was Simeon called Niger. There was Lucius of Cyrene. There was Manian who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch. And there was Saul. That's the guy that's gonna become Paul. Look at this, verse two. And while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and they sent them off. As they fasted and prayed, this, this seed that God had put in the heart of Paul all those years earlier is suddenly activated and Paul is called into his mission. It's that Ephesians 2.10 moment. You are God's workmanship, his masterpiece created in Christ Jesus. He's prepared great works in advance for you to be a part of. Guys, I'm convinced every single one of us has a divine destiny. Most of us just never find it because we never slow down in the presence of God long enough for that destiny to be activated. I love the quote that says, the two most important days in a person's life is the day they were born and secondly, the day they discover why they were born. Two most important days in your life, the day you're born and the day you discover why you're born. There are a lot of you that are still waiting for that second day. And that second day is so often covered in seasons of prayer and fasting. It says that Jesus, led by the Spirit into this season of abstaining and abiding and aligning and asking, and at the end of it, he's activated in the power of the Holy Spirit. And he marches into what it is that God had called him to do. And I go, and it's because that season was so significant that the enemy brought everything he had to bear against Jesus because he knew it was on the line. And so here, here's what I know this morning is that some of you, maybe you're sitting here and you're going, okay, maybe my mind has changed a little bit. Maybe I had this plan, but I'm gonna go at it a little differently. Maybe I'm gonna go at it with a little more intentionality. But here's what I know is so often... It's one thing to be stirred up by this on a Sunday morning. It is another thing to step into it on a Monday morning. And tomorrow morning, if you attempt to step into this, I promise you what you're going to feel is resistance. You're gonna feel that natural resistance that just goes, you know what? This is stupid, it doesn't make sense. I know what Dave said, but it just doesn't make sense. And some of you are gonna feel that natural resistance. Some of you tomorrow, you're gonna feel what I believe is even more significant is that supernatural resistance where the enemy is gonna to try to rob you of what it is that God wants to do. And I just wanna encourage you. I just wanna encourage you. Whatever this looks like for you, whether it's one meal a day or one day a week or whatever it is that God's calling you to, take your next step and do not sit on the sidelines for what God has. Don't sit on the sidelines. I believe God's got something great in store for you. And so here's what I wanna do this morning. I, I just wanna pray a blessing over us as we go into this season. That every bit of resistance, that every bit of confusion, that anything that might be coming against what God wants to do in your life, I'm just gonna pray a blessing of breakthrough over you. And then we're gonna start our season of prayer and fasting together by going to the table and receiving the bread of life, receiving the cup of life, and we're gonna be reminded that it is Christ that our soul, it is Christ whom our souls was meant to feed upon and feast upon. And so we're gonna enter into this season by breaking the bread and taking the cup. I'm gonna encourage you to get in groups 
of two or three and to just pray for breakthrough in one another's lives. Pray that God would give you the ability to seek him wholeheartedly as we enter into this month. So let's stand together and pray a blessing over us. And then we're gonna go to the communion tables. Father, I love you. And I just, man, I love this family, this church that we could be a part of together. All of the, all of the various stories that we have in this room. And Father, we, we come to you this morning as we enter into this season and there's, there's so many perspectives, there's so many hangups, there's places of resistance in all of us. Father, we just want all of you, all that you have for us this season, would you give it to us wholeheartedly? And would you help us to give ourselves wholeheartedly to you, God? We just declare that fasting is not about us doing something great to get your attention, God. This is just us making space for you to have our attention. So Lord, we're just clearing out some space. We're saying, Father, would you speak to us in a fresh way? God, would you give breakthrough to every man, woman, and child in the room this morning? Would you give us boldness? God, would you give us more delight as we step into this season than despair as we feel the resistance and the struggle of it? God, would you stir up a hunger for your word and your voice and your ways? that far exceed our hunger and our desire for food or for things. And God, would you just recalibrate the taste, bud, uh, taste buds of our soul once again to who you are and what it is that you're doing. Lord, this morning, as we break the bread, as we, as we receive the cup, as we fix our eyes upon not just the crucifixion of Jesus, but the resurrection of Jesus and the imminent return of Jesus, we receive the bread and we receive the cup and we're reminded of your words, Jesus, where you just say, whoever whoever wants to taste life must learn to feast on me. And so Lord, this morning we just come as your people saying, hey, we need you and we need you alone. And so would you meet us in this season? It's the name of Jesus, I pray and give thanks, amen.